Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you for, you, for you to join me in the uh, book of Psalms. And tonight, Psalm 42, please. Psalm 42. And uh, we'll spend a little time uh, there this evening. Again, we're not... We're not uh, we're not studying the book of Psalms per, per psalm or per verse. We're just going randomly and selecting psalms. And tonight I want us to take a look at Psalm 42. And uh, the title, uh, uh, I've entitled the psalm, When You're Looking for Help. When You're Looking for Help. And I think, I think at, at times we all qualify, don't we? Huh? We're all looking for help at one time uh, or another. Do you, do you read the psalms regularly? Is anybody, you, do you read the psalms? Huh? How, many, how many of you read the Psalms on a regular basis? You know, I, I know sometimes people use the Psalms as a means of having their morning devotions. Did you, did you ever do that? You know, sometimes folk will do this. They'll read, they'll read a Psalm and a proverb, you know. And a uh, good way to read the, the book of Psalms is if you read five Psalms a day, right, you'll read the book of Psalms once a month because there's 150 Psalms, 30 days in the month for the most part. You know, and then, and so, you, you know, and you read Psalm 1 and then Psalm 6 and then every fifth Psalm. And it's amazing how, you know, I've done that for many years, uh, how it just kind of, kind of falls together, how they connect and how God uses that to encourage us and strengthen our faith. And so if you're not a regular Bible reader, you know, if you don't read your Bible every day, let me encourage you to maybe start by reading the book Psalms. And start in Psalm 1, and then tomorrow go Psalm 2. It's not about how much you read, right? And so you don't get a medal. You don't get a badge of, you know, badge of honor or a medal because you read you know, the whole book of Psalms in one month. The important thing is getting something from it. Isn't that right? And it's okay if you get, you know, if you get hung up in one verse you know, in your morning diversion. You, you just can't get out of it. You know, it's okay if God has given you something, if God is feeding you with some fresh bread. Because the whole idea is for you to read the Bible, to, you know, to encourage your faith so that your faith grows. Isn't that right? And so if you don't read the book of Psalms, let me encourage you to read the book of Psalms. But you will find this. Many people turn to the book of Psalms often when they're looking for help. And the book of Psalms is filled with it. For example, Psalm 46 and verse number 1. Great Bible verse. Anybody know what it is? God is a very present help in time of trouble. That's a good Bible verse, isn't it? Huh? Uh, Psalm 50, verse 15, one of my favorite, uh, says this, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. That's good, isn't it? Think about that. Call upon me. This is an invitation from the Lord. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I, I will answer thee. I will deliver thee, and and thou shalt glorify me. Well, that's a, great, that's a great promise, isn't it? But when you turn to Psalm 42, you begin to find that the psalmist is given some instruction. Do you notice the little inscription there 
uh, on top of, uh, underneath the Psalm 42, right underneath the words, it says, to the chief musician, what's the next word? Maskell. Do you see that? You know that, ma- that, you know what that means? Instruction. Instruction. Who said that? George, was that you? Instruction. Right? And so, remember I said this as we started studying the Psalms, they're, they're listed in categories. Some are, and by the way, you know, all the Bible is instructive, right? You turn anywhere and get instruction from God. But some of these Psalms are composed, you know, they're Psalms, they're hymns, but some of the com- composition of them is to be instructive. And here it says this, this Psalm was composed for the sons of Korah. Did you see that? Does it say that? If you, don't, if you don't have that uh, underneath Psalm 42, you need to get you a better Bible, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, instruct, instruction for the sons of Korah. Now, who was Korah? Any idea who Korah was? Well, if you did a little study, uh, Korah, interesting fella, Korah was the man who led a rebellion uh, against Moses. You remember reading about that back in the Old Testament days? Huh? And, uh, and as a result, you know, the Bible tells us that he was severely judged because of that rebellion. And, uh, but his descendants found mercy in the eyes of the Lord. His descendants did not follow in his footsteps like many other, others did, you know. And, uh, and here, uh, you know, this psalm is instruction for them. In fact, it's said that the sons of Korah, his descendants, uh, became spiritual leaders, you can read in First Chronicles chapter number 9 where some of his descendants uh, worked as guardians uh, over the Levite camp. Uh, in Psalm 24, in uh, First Chronicles 25, there's a descendant of Korah. He's a, Kor, a Korahite, and his name is Herman. And Herman's job was to be a worship leader in the temple. He's one of the worship leaders in the temple, you know. And so even though, now pay attention here, even though Korah was a wicked man, and even though Korah led a rebellion against the man of God, Moses, his descendants did not follow in his footsteps, right? There's always hope. Isn't that good? And, uh, and so this instruction is given to the sons of Korah, and, uh, and it's believed to be written by Hezekiah, you know? Uh, some say David, but most believe it was written by Hezekiah. Now, you know who Hezekiah was, right? Come on, talk to me. He was a king, right? And probably, I, I think this, maybe you might disagree, but I think probably outside of David, one of the most godly kings in the nation of Israel. However, he was a man that was acquainted with grief. A couple of events. You remember, you remember the, one, the one bad thing in his life? Remember he had a terminal illness. You remember that? Did you ever read about Hezekiah? And, uh, and it's told him that he's going to die. And you know, what, you know what he does? I mean, to tell you, he gets on his face before God. He begins to cry out to God, petition God. And guess what God does? God extends his life. Miraculously, you know, extends his life. Divine intervention. So here's a man who's acquainted with grief. He's told he, I mean, he's doing a great job as a king, and he's told he has a terminal illness. He cries out to God, and God gives him 15 more years. Isn't that wonderful? Mm, but at another time, he is being invaded, Israel's being invaded, Judah's being invaded mm, by the Assyrians. And again, uh, Sennacherib, did you ever read about Sennacherib? Sennacherib was an individual who went on a letter-writing campaign, you know? 
and he, he encouraged the, Isra, uh, the, uh, the Assyrians to write letters to the Israelites and to produce fear in their heart. I'm going to tell you something, man, there's power in word. You know, I think I said a few weeks back, I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and we talked about, remember that little nursery rhyme, that little kid's song, sticks and stones will, you know, break your bones, but names will never hurt you? Isn't that a lie? Huh? My mother lied to me. I've been hurt by words. Words are powerful. And, and here's Sennacherib. He's, he's uh, starting this letter-writing campaign, uh, and he's, he's, he's sending these letters to Hezekiah, and now there's threat of an invasion. And so guess what happened? Hezekiah, once again, he's fearful for the nation. He cries out to God, divine intervention, and God rescues him from that, that invasion. It's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. And here's what's believed. It's believed that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are connected to those two events. They're connected to his terminal illness, Psalm 42, and then Psalm 43, the invasion of the Assyrians. And that's why it's believed that Hezekiah wrote Psalm 42 and 43. It doesn't say who wrote it. It just said it's written to the sons of Korah. Do you see that? And when you study down through it, here's what you find. You find some instruction for what to do when you're looking for help. We all qualify, right? There are times when we're all looking for help. We're all looking for divine uh, intervention. We're all looking for God to step in and do something for us. And so let me give you a couple of things to think about uh, on the way out the door tonight. Let me break this down and share this, this, uh, this brief outline with you. Beginning in verse number one. Look at verse number one. Psalmist said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? It's awesome, isn't it? Uh, and so when you're looking for help, according to the psalmist, he said you ought to begin by, let me see if this is working. Ah, Doug, it's not working. Go ahead and help me with it. You ought to begin by seeking God with all you got. Did you see that? When you're looking for help, and every once in a while, you know, you find yourself in a situation where you really need some divine assistance. You ever been there? Huh? I mean, you, you need more. Dave, you need more than a pat on the back, and you need more than a kind word. You need more than sharing your situation with a brother or a sister and having that brother or sister say, hey, I'll pray for you, and we hope they do, and we should. But we need more than that. There are times when you're looking for help and you've got to begin by seeking God with all you got. Look at the words of this psalm. Look, look what he says here. As the heart panteth. Now he's making, you know, a comparison here, right? He's comparing himself. He's comparing how he felt with a deer. That's the heart, right? As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. In other words, what he's saying is simply this, I am thirsting for God. Did you ever get thirsty for God? Huh? What's that even mean? What does that even mean? You know? And by the way, uh, it's not only people, uh, Bible characters, that we read about in Scripture who thirsted for God. 
There are some, there are some contemporaries, people who are alive today, and people who were alive not too long ago who had a testimony of just, just thirsting for God. I mean, they desired God in their life, and not just bits and pieces. They wanted to know God in a deep way. By the way, when you want to know God in a deep way, he usually touches you in a deep way. One of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Jacob. Remember Jacob? Now, you're going to have to get better at this, man, because you're just a dead crowd here on Wednesday nights. You remember Jacob? Uh, I love the story, uh, Raj, where, you know, he's wrestling He's wrestling with the Lord. Let's just think about that for a second. Huh? So, have you ever wrestled with God? L listen to this. This is deep. This is deep. You're not, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. You know why I'm in Jersey? You're not going to win. When God said you and Don are going to New Jersey, I said, uh-uh, no way. I'll send her, but I'm not going. Can't win that fight, you know? Nor do you want to win that fight, right? But I love the story because Jacob, and by the way, Jacob has got an unbelievable history. I'm gonna, in the fall, I'm gonna do a series here on Wednesday nights called uh, A Dysfunctional Family. And I'm gonna begin looking at the family of Jacob and his dear wife, you know, because they were dysfunctional. You know, and so he's got a rich history, but here he's, he's actually, you know, he's having a hard time. He's wrestling with the Lord, and, and what happens? The angel of the Lord touches what? Touches his thigh. In fact, he knocks his hip out of joint, you know, and guess what David, uh, J uh, Jacob does for the rest of his life? He walks with a limp, you know, and, and the whole moral to that story is this, are you willing to serve me even if you have to walk with a limp? Did you ever hear Jonathan, you, you heard of Dr. Dr. Champlin, right? Uh, in Suriname, great missionary years ago. He, he preached a message called, Do You Love Me With Your Shoes Off? You know, talking about sacrifice and service, you know. All he's really talking about is coming to a place in your life where you long for God so deeply. That's what the psalmist says here. Look at it again. I'm in Psalm 42. Look at verse number one. As the, as the deer, as the heart pants after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. In other words, listen carefully. I'm told, and I'm not a great deer hunter. Uh, I love the fish. But I'm told this. I'm told that a thirsty deer will run full speed until he finds water. That's what I'm told. And, and even put himself in danger. And so when a deer is panting, they'll do anything to quench their, their thirst. And so the psalm, I get it, the psalmist is using the deer, you know, to symbolize or characterize or, or to, uh, you know, identify the longing in his soul. And if this was, Colin, if this was written by Hezekiah, I think this, during that time of his sickness, he wasn't able to go to temple. He wasn't able to go to worship. And so he may, it's kind of like not being able to go to church. For some of us, that's a killer. Huh? Did I tell you the story of January 20, January 2020, when I was diagnosed with COVID? I wasn't really sick, but I'm the pastor, and they told me I had it. The members told me I had it. No, I'm teasing. The doctor told me I had it. And so I had to stay home. 
And I'll never forget this. I stayed home. It was a Sunday. And it's almost like cut off my leg. You know, pull out my tooth. But I don't want to miss church, you know. Uh, but I had to miss church. I couldn't go. And so you know what I did? I did what everybody else was doing, Brother Riddell. I pulled up on my easy chair. I turned on my TV, put on YouTube, got a smart TV, put on YouTube, and I plugged into the Bible Baptist Church. As I'm watching it, I'm thinking, hey, I got my tablet right here. I can watch another church service too. And so there's another church that I, you know, got a friend. So I opened that up. So I got, I got BBC on the TV. I got my iPad open, and I'm looking at this one here. And I'm about 15 minutes into this thing, and I said, boy, you know what? I can go for a cup of coffee. And I got up out of my easy chair and went into the kitchen. And John, as I'm making the cup of coffee, here's what dawned them. In fact, it was probably the Holy Spirit that said, this is not good. This is not good. And I thought, preacher, this is probably exactly what the members of BBC are doing right now. They're sitting at home having a cup of coffee, watching me on TV. Why would they ever want to come back to church? You know? And I sat there and I enjoyed that cup of coffee, but could not wait to get back to church. Why? I think this, I think if we had put it in our kind of language, I think maybe the psalmist missed the fellowship. Maybe he missed the singing and the preaching, you know? Are, are you with me? He missed what he got that he could only get when he went to temple worship. Things that you can only get when you go to church. Now, I'm thankful that we have a streaming service, and right now there are folks watching us who can't get here. Some folks will watch us later because they're working right now, and that's all wonderful. But my encouragement is this. If you can get to church, get to church, because you can't get from church what you can get from church when you're not at church. Ooh, that was good. Isn't that right? You can't get the same thing sitting home. You just can't, you know? And so the psalmist says this, in essence, he says, when you're, when you're looking for help, you need to begin by seeking God with everything you have. Huh? Seek God with everything you have. Let, let's, let's read on. Look, look at the next verse. Look at verse 3. Now get this. He said, my tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? Now listen, his tears... Are talking to them. Did you see it? Huh? They're talking tears. Look, look at it again. While they say unto me, who, who, who's saying that? His tears are. And so he says, my tears have been my meat day and night, and they're speaking to me, and what they're saying is, where's God? Where's God? And I would say this, when you're looking for help, seek God with all that you have, and then secondly, be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Look here, friend. The Christian life is often difficult. Isn't that right? Huh? And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we, we have been, been kind of uh, afraid to just reveal the fact that we're human. And we struggle with things. Huh? We, I mean, Christians struggle. Right? I mean, not only, look here, not only physical, you know, not just physical things because these bodies break down. Isn't that right? I mean, they do, and they need this or that or the other. And not just because you're getting old. Sometimes it's just genetic. You know, even young people have problems. Young people get cancer, and young people have diabetes. And 
but more than the physical, because sometimes we don't have that much of a problem admitting the physical, what we struggle with sometimes is admitting the emotional. Help me here. Huh? And unless you are, unless you are, you know, a strange bird, everybody has emotions. And, and they're not always up, sometimes they're down. And sometimes we struggle in the emotion department. And, breaking news, even good Christian people go through bouts of depression. God forbid a church frowns upon, belittles, makes light of, looks down upon individuals who struggle emotionally. God forbid uh, there's pastors who would say, man, what are you depressed about? You got the Lord. You should never be depressed. Well, that individual has not read his Bible. Because one of the most depressed people in the book is a fellow named David. David often suffered bouts of being melancholy. Do you, ever, you read the Psalms, right? Here's, here's Hezekiah. If Hezekiah wrote this psalm, whoever wrote this psalm, here's what he's saying. In verse number uh, uh, three there, I lost my place. In verse number three, my tears have been my meat day and night. Here, here's what he's saying. I lost my appetite. And the, I, mean, I mean to tell you, I'm, I'm in such a situation, I have no appetite. And the only, uh, the only thing I'm getting nutrition from is the salt of my tears. And I mean to tell you, day and night, and it's so deep. Look at verse number 7. Deep calleth unto deep, unto deep at the noise of thy water spout. I mean to tell you, this is deep. He's really going through it. But to his credit, can I pause and get real, real quiet for a second? To his credit, he's admitting it. To his credit, he's being honest about it. Now, I'm not advocating, church, I'm not advocating that you just let everybody know, hey, church, I want you to know I'm depressed. No, I, I don't think that's the encouragement here. But it's okay to say to God, Lord, I'm just, I'm just not on top of it right now. I'm really going through it, and I'm not even sure why. It's okay to have a, a prayer partner. It's okay to have somebody, a mentor, a coach, Everybody ought to. Are you with me? I'm preach a message one day, Aaron, about the, the, the three most necessary people to have in your life. Everybody needs a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas. Right? For you ladies, put a female name on it. But a Paul is somebody you look up to. A Timothy is somebody you train. And a Barnabas is somebody you share your heart or your life with. We all need to have somebody like that. It might be your spouse. Might be a sibling, might be a pastor or a spiritual leader, right? But we need to have somebody we can just unload on, share a heart with, someone you can trust with that information. Amen? My mother's with the Lord. You would have loved my mother. She's a piece of work. My mother loved the Lord. Brother Preacher, my mother was a great soul winner. I mean to tell you, she witnessed even the dead people. She witnessed everything, man, you know? She was a great witness. Well, she went to be with the Lord a few years back. But there was a time in my mom's life, and, 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 and I use this testimony by permission uh, because she used it, you know. She went through two years, Donna, about a two-year depression, my mother. 
Now, my dad, my mother saved. My, my dad was a deacon in our church. My mother, I mean, just servants of God, faithful to every service, never missed anything. They were the kind of people, even when there wasn't church, they went anyway, you know. Loved God. I mean, just great people. But my mother went through a pretty serious depression for two years. And because she was my mother, and I'm not advocating or she didn't want to take any medication. She just didn't want to do it. She wasn't going to take any, nothing, you know. I, she took supplements, right, but she wouldn't, she wouldn't go to a, a doctor and, and say, I'm depressed, give me something to ease it. She wouldn't. My father, my father couldn't handle it anymore. He was, please go, I'll pay for it, but she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. And I promise you, this is a fact. Every morning, almost every morning for that whole time, I was her pastor, Every morning for that whole time, I would get a phone call, preacher, every morning. And I, 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 I knew it was coming, and I always picked up. And it would be my mother on the other line, first thing in the morning, and she would be weeping, I mean sobbing, every morning. Because mornings are usually a difficult time. You know, your chemicals are low and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, but every morning, James, she would call me, sobbing, and all she would say is this. I promise you, this is all she would say. I say, hi, Mom. Sobbing, broken tears, she would say, am I going to be okay? That's all she would say. She didn't need to tell me what she was going through because I knew what she was going through. Am I going to be okay? And I promise you, Dave, never one time did I say, Mom, enough is enough. Now, you need to pull yourself together, get with the program, get your head back in, never one time. I would simply say, Mom, you're going to be fine. Let's pray. Every morning. And, and, and I didn't try to concoct some supernatural prayer that's going to get her off the ledge. I would just pray, God, help my mother today. Help her to know you're right there with her. Bless her day. Get her out of it. And by 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, right, she was good. You know, she'd get past that morning and she was better. Two years. Two years until she was no longer depressed. And all of a sudden, the phone's call stopped, you know? And, and I can't tell you that I missed them, you know? And all of a sudden, she just started to smile again and be happy again and serve God at that level again. And... Now, think about this. Here's a deacon's wife who enormous amounts of women in our church looked up to. A lot of ladies looked up to my mom. But she was honest. She knew she needed help. So you know what she did? She was seeking God with everything she had, and she was honest with herself. I cannot pull myself out of this one. Are you with me? Uh, look, look, look down just a, just a little bit in this text. Let's read just a few more verses. He said this in verse number four, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. Now he's reminiscing, and I mean to tell you, he's just, he's hurting. When you're looking for help, number four, number three, I'm sorry, number three, force yourself to remember truth. Did you get that? When you're looking for help, force yourself to remember truth. You know, when you're in the pits and feel like there's no way out, the best thing to do, resolve to remember truth. Truth has an un uncanny ability of being helpful. 
truth. You know, because a lot of times our emotions lie to us. You know, and of course the devil, our advocate, that roaring lying lion who's seeking to devour us, he lies to us. There's no way out. This is this is it. This is the rest of your life. You're gonna have to deal with this forever. Now I mean to tell you, it can get it can get difficult, right? But what's the what's the psalmist do? L- look what he remembers in verse number four. He remembers the fellowship he used to have. Can I give you some counsel? When you are feeling down, get with those, get around those who are feeling up. Well, I tell you, man, there have been times I visit people, you know, visitation, I go by and say, man, I haven't seen you. Okay, ah, preacher, I'm just, man, I'm going through it. Well, why aren't you at church? That's the best place to be when you're just not feeling it. Huh? I mean, you get into an environment like this, somebody pats you on the back and gives you a hug and says, I've been praying for you. You hear, you know, teaching of the Word of God. I mean, that's what you need. But most of the time, we kind of remove ourselves from that level, that line of encouragement. Psalmist remembers, he remembers the fellowship he used to have. He remembers the, the encouragement he found in the house of God. You know, maybe that's why we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approach. We really do need this kind of stuff. He remembers that he served the living God. Look at verse number two. He said, my soul thirsts for who? The living God. And so when you're, when you're looking for help, sometimes you just need to make sure you remember, you force yourself to remember truth. Don't listen to the lies. Don't even listen to yourself sometimes. Force yourself to remember truth. And then finally, notice this. Look at, look at uh, let's, let's read on just a little bit down the road here. Go to verse number eight. He said, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me in my prayer unto the God of my life. Look at verse nine. I will say unto God, my rock, Things are starting to turn here. Things are starting to turn now. Can, 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 can you sense it? I mean, he's going from being in despair. He's starting to come out of it. He's starting to see a little light at the end of the tunnel. And so the fourth thing is this. Decide. Just decide to trust God. When you're looking for help, just decide you're going to trust God. Plain and simple. And so he begins to come out of it. Did you notice this? Did you notice in the psalm? how he's kind of talking to himself. Look, look at verse number nine. I will say unto God, he's talking to himself. It's not always bad to talk to yourself. They say it's pretty bad when you answer yourself. (laughs) It's not bad to talk to yourself. In fact, you remember the psalmist encouraged himself in the Lord? Huh? Here's the truth. Nobody knows you like you know you. Isn't that right? I mean, and, and really, we may share some things about ourselves or our situation with others, but we're not sharing the total package. We always keep a little bit back. Isn't that right? Do you ever, do you ever been, have you ever been asked to share your testimony? And, and maybe you got a colorful testimony. God's reached down and saved you from a life of crime or a life of sin. I mean, we've all been saved from a life of sin. But some people, I mean, the only thing they ever really did wrong was, you know, put their hand in the cookie jar 
you know, when other people rob the cookie store, you know. And, and I've, I've, I've been asked, I, I never forget this, when I was a young preacher, I used to go to rescue mission and preach, brother preacher. I used to look for opportunities to preach anywhere, you know. So rescue missions, funeral homes, you name it, man, I, I'd go, nursing homes. And I used to go to the, nurse, uh, to the rescue mission on Friday nights to preach to the transient crowd. They were people that just walked in off the street because they needed a bed. Rough crowd, <laughs> you know. And I remember trying to get their attention by sharing my testimony, you know. And I'd go through my testimony. Compared to them, I was probably a Boy Scout, you know. To me, my testimony, it's my testimony. But even in sharing my testimony, Craig, and trying to make it colorful so that I can keep their attention... You know, I still would not share certain things because there are certain things about my testimony I'm, I'm just too ashamed to speak of. Oh, you're judging me. I can see it in your eye. You know what I'm talking about, right? Huh? And so the psalmist says here in this text, look at it again, verse number nine, I will say unto God, my rock. He's speaking to himself because there's nobody that knows him like he knows himself. Right? I mean, I may come along and say to you, man, pray for me, I'm really struggling with, but what I'm really struggling with, I'm not going to tell you. Preacher, you look like you're really under it. Oh, I am, but I'm not going to really tell you what it is, because I might be too embarrassed by it, you know? But he, in this text of Scripture, he handles himself. And the psalmist asks himself, he asks himself two, two times here, why are you so down? Why are you so down? Huh? Did you ever ask yourself that question? Did you ever get so discombobulated? That's a Greek word, by the way. Did you ever get so whacked out, and then you come to realize, why am I so whacked out? Ever happened to you? Huh? I mean, everything, did you ever, ever happen to you where, you know, things are going really good, and then you, you, you subconsciously, in your subconscious, you think of something that kind of mm, influences your you know, your attitude or your, your, you know, your mental state, your, your frame of mind, but it was a, a quick thing. And maybe a couple minutes later, you begin to say, wait a second, why am I not as happy as I was a few minutes ago? And you got to kind of retrace your thought life. You say, oh, I know why. I thought about that bill I owe or, did that ever happen to you? I know some, I'm preaching to myself. Most of this is just me. It never happens to anybody but me. I'm just a strange person. Well, the psalmist says this. Why are you so down? He's kind of, huh? You trust God. That's what he says to himself in that, in that text. You, you, you know, it's just, it's just time to put into practice what you say you believe. Right? Let's read on just, just a little bit and we'll finish. He said in verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I a mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. He's preaching to himself. You see it? I mean, why are you so discouraged? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Huh? We won't study Psalm 43, but if you go to Psalm 43, it seems as if the, the, the psalmist, if it's Hezekiah, whoever it is, he, he, he got it straightened out. L look at Psalm 43. Look at verse 2. He says, For thou art the God of my strength. 
Why doest thou cast me out? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Same thing, right? Oh, send out the light, verse 3, and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto, the, unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the heart will I praise thee, O my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. He's repeating himself. Huh? giving himself a pep, pep talk. For God yet, he says in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health, health of my countenance and my God. So when you're looking for help, here's some good counsel. Seek God with all you got. Be honest with yourself. Force, force yourself to remember. And then the last thing there, did you forget that, Doug? Decide to trust God. Just decide you're going to trust God. There's a great Bible verse I want to close with, Psalm 56 and verse number 3. Go ahead and click that if you would, Doug. Look at this Bible verse, Psalm 56, verse 3. You have it up there? What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. You know, people come to church and you really have no idea what their needs are, right? So we teach the Word of God, we preach the Word of God, I don't live with you, and I promise you this, if a message really does touch you, and you say, boy, that was really personal, your spouse didn't call me. They, they, didn't, they didn't fill me in. But you know, we, we know what we're told in Bible college? Here's what we're told. He who preaches to a broken heart will never want for an audience. Right? Because there's always somebody there who's going through something. Right? And here's, here's the truth of it. You're either, you're either going through it, coming out of it, or getting ready to go through it again. So you say, Pastor, boy, that's a great message, but man, I'm up here right now. Don't blink. Don't blink. Because we don't stay up there for long. You know why that is? I'll tell you why that is. Oswald Chambers said this. God didn't build us for the mountaintop. He built us for the valley. Know what that means? He takes us up on the mountaintop every once in a while just to give us a little bit of a reprieve, catch our breath, and then he sends us back down to where life is lived, in the valley. Huh? And that's where we need to learn the truths of God's word so we can live consistently in the valley. Christian life, Moses said, the promised land is a land of hills and valleys. That's how he described the promised land. That's the Christian life, isn't it? Hills and valleys. But you don't have to be an up and down Christian if you trust God. You can anchor yourself into the truth of his word and have a level of consistency. That'll be a testimony. Amen? I, I chose in this little song, you've sung it before, I know you have, Jesus loves even me. I am so glad that my Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful promises Right? Something like that, Dave? This is the greatest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Even me. With all my baggage, he loves even me. Thanks again for watching us online today. 
If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.